0: Today, if you came to church on Time Change Sunday, it's like you should feel like you do when you get a 30% off. It's really good. And God gives you bonus points. I asked him and he said yes. So good for you. And it's cold. You get bonus points on top of bonus points. It's a sale on top of sale. So it's really good. Thank you for being here. Today, this is a good message for Americans in general. And probably most of us need this one. This is the day we're going to talk about rest and taking a Sabbath. And it's it's so important because, well, number one, it's one of the big ten. You know, it's like it, God found it really important. That's why he included it. But it's for us. It's for our benefit. Uh, it's really important. It's, it's, it's relational, and we're going to talk about it uh, today. Okay, so let me see if you resonate with this meme, because I really like this one. Uh, God put me on this earth to accomplish a certain number of things. Right now, I'm so far behind, I'll never die. A lot of us feel that way, right? It's like we will never catch up. And so, let me ask you a couple of really serious questions, okay? Because this, I mean, I want us to really think today. (laughs) Sometimes I don't care. Uh, But today, I want you to really think, because this is important. Let me ask you this. Do you ever get tired just thinking about what you've got to do? Question. Do you ever find yourself as tired on Monday morning as you were on Friday afternoon? Do you ever bring work home uh, to use the weekend to catch up? And finally, do you ever feel guilty when you relax? I read a really interesting article that was written in the New York Times. <laughs> when you say that, it's like I read through the New York Times. There was an article that was on a website that came from the New York Times. I don't, I don't want you to think I'm reading through the New York Times. But the article is really interesting and it had to do with um, America's obsession with being busy. And so now you probably, or maybe you haven't noticed, but start to notice, because I think you'll find this to be true. It used to be when you ask how you're doing to somebody, they would say fine or good or something like that. Now when you ask people how you're doing, many, many times they'll say, I'm really busy. I'm really busy. And the author of the article, that's hard to say by the way, uh, the author says this, and I I found it profound, busyness serves as a kind of hedge against emptiness. Obviously your life cannot possibly be trivial or meaningless if you're so busy and in demand every hour of every day. Uh, One lady put it this way, she said, some of us have made an idol of exhaustion. I'm always tired, I'm always busy. We're kind of addicted to it. And so we come to this commandment. It's really long, by the way. There's a lot of words to this. It's as if God wants to emphasize it. Like, <laughs> I'm going to give you some rationale for It's is, is sort of how it feels when God says this. So, so look at the, uh, the commandment, Exodus 28. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor, and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor, your foreign, uh, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, and the earth, and the sea, and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, he set an example, therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So today we're talking about remembering the Sabbath. It it is uber important. Now, you all know the first five books of the Old Testament. They're called the Pentateuch, right? You know that? Um, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Penta means five, the first five books. There's the law in the Pentateuch. And there's more than one mention of Sabbathing. By the way, that is a word. I looked it up. Uh, you know, Sabbath is a word. I was like, Sabbath, can you make it a, a verb? Uh, yes, you can Sabbath. And Sabbathing is, is uh, mentioned 11 times in the Pentateuch, which is a lot. And it's mentioned uh, over a uh, 100 times in the the Old Testament at large, God really emphasizes this one a great deal. In fact, if you think about it, it was sort of implied before it was ever commanded because it just said God created in six days. He sort of sets the example. He, He models it. He worked six days and then he rested. Now, did God rest because he was tired or need to be replenished? Or I mean, no, he's God, but he set an example. He wanted to show us how it's done. And, and so he's, he's modeling it for us. And then when, when Israel was wandering in the wilderness, remember that on the sixth day, God said, okay, you collect manna. Remember, manna came from heaven. You collect enough manna on the sixth day so that you won't have to collect any on the seventh day. That's going to be your day of rest. So, Over and over and over again, God says, hey, this is something I want you to do. Now, as is typical of human beings, we wanted to make rules out of this rather than relationship. This is a relationship commandment. God is basically saying, I want you to take some time every week for us to have a relationship together. So some of you, when I, when I was a, my, my, first, my very first pastor, it was in Bergen, Kentucky, which was really near where my parents live, about, you know, we probably live 10 miles away. And so on, on Sunday, they would come to church. <laughs> By the way, it is great to get to preach to your parents. Uh, that was awesome. Um. Because they preached to me for a long time, and it was like payback, and I really appreciate that. So, uh, but they came, they, uh, I really do appreciate that they came. Uh, and we would, uh, we would do church together, and then we would go to lunch, uh, because we s- set that time aside, right? And some of you do that, you set some time aside, you spend time with your family, you go to lunch together, or what, you hang out together on uh, a certain day of the week, and, and many times it's after church, on Sunday. And God is saying, hey, I want this to be part of the rhythm of your life that we have time together. Um, I, I go visit my mother. She lives in Kentucky. She's 88 years old. I, I, I want to be with her, right? I, I want to make some time for her. And I go up there about once every quarter. It's 331 miles away. But I want to make time for her because that relationship is really important, and so God is saying, hey, this is a commandment about relationship. But what humans have a tendency to do, we have a tendency to make rules around the commandment. And boy, did the Jews make some rules around the commandments. It's, uh, there's this uh, collection of, it's a kind of collection of teachings called the Mishnah. And the rabbis would get together and they would discuss what it means to Sabbath. What, is it, what does it mean? What can you do? What can't you do? Are there rules around it? Now, the Bible simply says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. What the rabbis wanted to do is, like, how do you do that? They wanted to expl- explain how to do that. All God wanted was, hey, let's have a relationship on... The right question is, what, what would a relationship with God look like? How can I make that better on the Sabbath? What the rabbis did was they discussed the minutia of how do I make rules around making sure God's not offended? It's the wrong question. And they came up with a lot of answers to the wrong question. In fact, they had 1521 rules. Can you imagine? 1521 rules around how to keep the Sabbath. It's ridiculous. I don't do my taxes. I'm not good with numbers. But part of it also is, how do you know the rules? So I hire somebody that knows the rules. Well, if I was Jewish and I wanted to keep all the, the Sabbath rules, 1,521 rules, that's a lot of rules to try to remember. That, that's sort of, it's oppressive and they had rules about everything. They had this debate one time, these rabbis, and I kind of in my mind I get it, they're, they're sitting around the kitchen table drinking coffee talking about these rules. And, and the, the question came up okay, if somebody has an amputated leg and has a, a, a prosthesis, uh, can they use that on the Sabbath? Or so the debate was well, isn't that carrying a burden? Well, but I, you can't get around with that. And so they, they had this huge debate around if a guy could wear his peg leg on the Sabbath. They they debated stuff like what you could do. They they said you couldn't um uh, you you couldn't uh, unt- uh, untie t- String. If you untied a string, that constituted work, and you weren't remembering the Sabbath. Uh, l- let me give you a couple of more. You couldn't write two letters beside one another, because that would constitute writing. You couldn't tie a knot. You couldn't read uh, by candlelight. You couldn't light a candle. Now, what was really interesting is, you could hire a Gentile to light your candle. You could read by candlelight, you just couldn't light the candle yourself. It was a good day if you were a Gentile. You get, you get some work on, on Sabbath day. Because you could do everything they didn't want to do. It wasn't so much you couldn't... <laughs> they didn't want to enjoy the, the luxuries. They, just didn't want, they were afraid God was going to be mad at them. They, they had rules about everything. If you were a tailor, they said you can't take your needle home from the shop because you might be tempted to sew something. If you... If you were a scribe, you couldn't take your pen home because you might be tempted to write something. My all-time favorite is this. If you were a woman on the Sabbath, you could not look in a mirror. I know, it's awesome. Uh, (laughs) You couldn't look in a mirror because (laughs) you might see a gray hair and be tempted to pluck it which therefore would constitute work. Can you imagine guys going to church with a bunch of women who hadn't looked in the mirror that morning? I mean, really? uh, uh, It's unappealing, uh, i got to tell you. And, And so these were the kind of rules they came up with. It was rule upon rule upon rule. You couldn't spit because you might disturb the ground and cause a seed to germinate, and therefore you were plowing and you were working it was ridiculous it was just silly and and jesus encountered it jesus understood the commandment it's about relationship not about rules jesus understood it and so the pharisees they tried to trap jesus often tried to trap him but but look at this time one Sabbath day as Jesus was walking through some grain fields. By the way, they had a stipulation about how far you could walk. You could walk two-thirds of a mile, but any more than that was too much. Or I think it was two-thirds of a mile. They had regulations about how far you could walk, where you could go, all that kind of stuff. So Jesus was walking through some grain fields. His disciples began breaking off the heads of grain to eat. Now that's really pretty simple stuff. The grain was here. They broke it off. They ate it. It's not like they were doing very much. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, why are are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Well, that's not the law. The law was remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Have a relationship with God on the Sabbath. So Jesus says, Boys, haven't you ever read in the Scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God, he broke the law, and I guarantee you, I can't guarantee you, but I suspect Jesus said the law, you know, like that in quotes. Uh, They broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. And then Jesus says something incredibly profound and something we have to understand. He said the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people, not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. The Sabbath commandment is about relationship with God. Sabbath simply means, the word means to take a rest. Have you ever thought about this? Why do we have weeks? I mean... Having a day makes sense, right? I mean, the sun comes up, the sun comes down. It's a day. It makes sense, right? Uh, months, they sort of make sense. There are moon phases, and it kind of goes with the moon phases, and that kind of makes sense. And Years make sense. It's one full rotation around the sun, and that makes sense. There's nothing in nature that says, hey, you should have a week. We should divide things into a week. The, the reason we have a week is because God said, hey, about every seven days you need to rest, you, you need to take a break, you need to worship, you need to slow down. See, taking a Sabbath, Sabbathing, will both prevent and it will cure burnouts. Alright, so about 20 years ago I had a heart attack. Because I had a heart attack, now I am prescribed aspirin. I take it every day, 325 milligrams every day. I take an aspirin every night when I go to bed. I take it as a preventative. They tell me that this is good and it was going to keep my blood flowing and all that kind of thing. And I, I don't understand all the, all the mechanics of it. I don't understand it. I do what I'm told uh, in this particular instance, and I take that uh, aspirin. I take it every day. I take it. Now, if I were to drop here heaven forbid, uh, while I'm preaching, one of the things that you'd want to do for me is you'd want to give me an aspirin because it thins my blood. And and so it's not only a preventative, but it's also curative. So it is with Sabbathing. It, It prevents burnout, but if you're burned out, it also cures burnout. Sabbathing is this wonderful thing that God wants us to do that helps us both physically and spiritually. Now, when the Bible says remember it, it doesn't mean just to think about it. Like if you're married and you say to your wife, Hey, honey, I remembered our wedding anniversary. I didn't do anything for it. I didn't get you anything, but I remembered it. How far is that going to fly? It's not going to fly. So God wants us not just to think about it, but He wants us to do something about it. Now, what does He want us to do? Well, two things wants us to take time to worship, and he wants us to take time to rest. If you're interested in like looking at this even more fully, let me recommend a book to you. It's by a guy named John Mark Comer. The title of the book is The uh, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It's excellent. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And in the book, it talks about how we are so busy that we don't ever want to slow down, and that's just so true of life, and God 4,000 years ago, he's so brilliant, 4,000 years ago he says, you, every, we all need a rest, we all need a break, 4,000 years ago God prescribed for us what we needed before we even knew we needed it, it's just brilliant if you think about it. And Jesus never broke the Sabbath, but he did break the customs and the traditions that are man-made around the Sabbath. You see it over and over in Scripture. We saw, you know, in Mark two, he his guys, his boys are uh, harvesting, harvesting grain, and then in Mark three, he heals somebody with a withered hand, and then uh, in another time, he heals somebody with a demon. He he's always he's always healing people on the Sabbath. It's almost like he goes out of his way to do things on the Sabbath, to sort of, to say, you guys, you're just not getting it. It's not about rules or regulations, it's about relationships. It prevents and it cures burnout, and God knows what he's talking about. Now, what day does it have to be? The Jews practice Sabbathing on Saturdays. For the most part, Christians practice Sabbathing on Sundays. The Jews did it because that's kind of how it went. Uh, When Jesus was resurrected, he was resurrected on a Sunday, and so the early Christians said, you know, why don't we, we'll sort of, um, we'll uh, adopt, or we'll sort of, uh, we'll claim a Sabbath, but we'll Sabbath on Sunday rather than on Saturday. Um, what if you work Saturday and Sunday? What, what, what about that? Can you still Sabbath? <laughs> yes. In, in fact, there was this debate around this even in the first century, even when the church just started. And so there's a guy named Paul and he was kind of authoritative and he wrote a lot of stuff and he said, don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat, for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or Sabbaths. Basically, he's saying, There's nowhere in Scripture that says you have to worship on a Sabbath, on a Sunday. The Sabbath doesn't have to be Sunday. I like that we all get together on a Sunday, and if you can come, that's great, and I think that's awesome. I'm happy for us to get together. But if, and I know there are people that sometimes can't, he's saying, look, give... God a day. Make it holy. Set it apart. Make it different than every other day of your week. It needs to be different. So how do we keep it holy? How do we make it different? One is we rest physically. I love this verse. God wants his loved ones to get their proper rest. God is basically prescribing a Sunday afternoon nap. Uh, wait until the afternoon, don't start now. You know, that's kind of just, just so. But, but getting our rest physically is super important. Um, there's this research that's being done right now around uh, young athletes. There's a sort of an epidemic around young athletes who are suffering uh, knee injuries and shoulder injuries that really had never happened before. Um, there's one doctor, his name is let me fran- uh, Frank... Cardasco and he is an orthopedic surgeon and he's doing, he talks about two or three hundred times more surgeries on young athletes, knee at knees, because of repetition of doing the same thing over and over again and not taking a break. They also find it in baseball players, softball players, the throwing motion. The idea is we never give ourselves, those young athletes aren't giving themselves time enough to recuperate between stresses so that they never have a chance to, to heal. And so there's a, this wealth of research that's being done about uh, doing different sorts of sports. So if you're a football player, think about this. If you're a football player, there's fall football, right? There's preseason, and then there's football season, and then there's spring football, and then there's summer workouts, which leads to... Fall football, it's football all the time. Same thing, same thing. Baseball, volleyball. Uh, my, my daughters all play stuff. They all played stuff, but there's something to be said for uh, playing this in this season, and this in this season, and this in this season, so that, so that you can uh, let your certain groups of muscles relax and recuperate. I'm going to use this set of muscles now and this set of muscles here and this set of muscles. Because Elise plays soccer. That's a whole different set of, of muscles than when she's playing basketball. Uh, you're not supposed to touch the ball in, in soccer. I mean, it's, old, it's just different. And I watch these athletes and I think to myself, okay, if they're learning this, 4,000 years ago God said this, you need to rest physically. NASA did some research around this. They have these uh, pilots, these fighter pilots, and they did research. Fighter pilots are 34% more um, efficient if they take a 26-minute nap every day. So you have permission from NASA and God. I mean, really, uh, that's good. It's really good. You should rest. It's okay to rest. Again, I, I just can't. It is so brilliant that God said this 4,000 years ago. One of my favorite verses is Ecclesiastes 10.10. A dull axe requires great strength, so be wise and sharpen it. Sometimes you have to just slow down and sharpen the axe so you don't have to work as hard. I do that. When When I'm creating a sermon, when I'm looking up research, when I'm doing things, sometimes I just get bogged down. And I need to. I have to walk away from it for a little while, and I have to think about something else, and I'll, I'll, you know, go to some other task because, uh, a lot of times, like there are physical things to do right now. I set up a Sunday school room or a, a room for a small group, and I water the plants, and you know, it's nothing. It, 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 I don't have to think. You know how how much thinking it takes to water plants? You put water, uh, you put a pitcher under a spigot and you fill it up and you pour it out. There's no thought process in that. And I need to get away from it for a minute. And that's the kind of stuff I do. It's good for me to get away from it for a minute. Well, it works that way in all of our lives. We have to occasionally get away. Now, I'm certainly not talking about chronic laziness. The Bible, my daddy quoted two verses to me when I was growing up bad company corrupts good character he told me that a thousand times and he said if a man doesn't work he doesn't eat you gotta work you can't be lazy and so the Bible talks about that Do, uh, don't you remember the rule we had when we, li- when we lived with you if you don't work you don't eat daddy knew that one and now we're getting reports that a bunch of lazy good for nothings, this is a great translation by the way the Message translation, a bunch of lazy good for nothings are taking advantage of you this should not be, must not be tolerated we command them to get to work immediately. No excuses, no arguments. We're supposed to earn our way. So, this isn't what we're talking about. We're talking about taking a Sabbath rest. I heard with this guy, and he was at work. and This is a joke alert, and I need you to really be paying attention right now. All right? Everybody on page with me? Okay? Joke alert. It's a guy. He's working in the, uh, out, out in the uh, warehouse. He's kind of ready to go home. He says to his buddy, Hey, man, I need, I'm going to get some time off. Watch this. The guys, like, okay. So he shimmies up one of the rafters. He climbs up. He hangs by his knees on the rafter, and the boss comes in, sees him up there. He said, Hey, man, what are you doing? He said, I'm a light bulb. The guy said, Oh, thank you. Already, already good. It's good. It's a good start. Uh climbs down. He said, uh, you, need, you need some time off. You take some time off. So he's walking out the door. His buddy starts following him. The boss said, where are you going? He goes, can't work without light. <laughs> All right, now Dustin said, I should say, I'm a moth. Would that have been funnier? Uh, funnier. Moth would have been funnier. Dag on it. All right. Um, so on the third service, uh, I'll use the moth line. Okay. We're not to be lazy. I think we all know that. The Scripture says that. But sometimes we're, and that's probably not the case with most of us. Most of us never take a break. And yet the Scripture says, The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down. (laughs) He makes me lie down. The Native American Indians had a saying, You break the bow if it's always bent. Sometimes God makes us lie down workaholics, people who never take a break, oftentimes get sick. You know what that's called? It's called Sabbathing. Sometimes they end up in the hospital. It's accumulative Sabbathing. We are made, we're just not made to go and go. We're not robots. We have to take a break. And I hear people sometimes say, Pastor, I feel guilty when I relax. I feel guilty. All right, Can I show you a text and and let me say this. This is, Jesus relaxed and he didn't feel guilty. And Jesus was doing really important stuff when he was here. He was feeding people, he was healing people, he was teaching people. All of it was really important. But, But look at this. Jesus said to his disciples, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place And rest a while. And he said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. If Jesus needed time to rest, I suspect that we do too. Too many times it's as if we think we're so important that the world cannot function without us. When I was a pastor in New Mexico, I had a heart attack. I mentioned that a minute ago. I had a heart attack at 40 years old. And I was in the hospital and then for about a week and then I was out and the doctor said, Don't go to work, don't think about work, don't do any work, you go home. And for eight weeks I didn't go to church. I didn't I didn't attend. I didn't think about, you know, I didn't do any work at church. I didn't do sermons. I didn't do anything. I just didn't show up. Eight weeks. Eight consecutive weeks. Now, my first week back, I'm thinking to myself, oh, you know, what, what is it going to be like? I, I kind of tried not to think about what I was out. I, I thought about it a little bit, but I, I was thinking, oh, my word, you know, I hope, I hope there's still people there, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, the Sunday I came back, it was uh, more attendance than when I left. Uh, people had been joining the church. People had been, look, Let's just be real honest. God will do what he wants to do with or without us. See, not resting is a sign of immaturity. Everybody that's ever had a child understands this. How many of them want to take naps? They fight you, don't they? They they struggle. They, they, uh, They make excuses. Uh, I, I'm not tired. I need a glass of water. You know, all that kind of stuff. But you make them lie down, just like our good shepherd makes them lie down, because you know that if you don't make them lie down, uh, they get demon-possessed. We know it. <laughs> We've all experienced it. They need their rest. God knows it, too, about us. And when we sort of refuse, it's a whole lot like a kid not wanting to take a nap. The just... We just say, I'm too important, I've got too many things to do. Now, there's a physical aspect of resting, Sabbathing, but there's also an emotional aspect. Second thing is we recharge our emotions. I like this, it says a tranquil mind gives health to the body. Sometimes we just need to unplug. Let me ask you a question. Could you unplug from your phone for 24 hours? Could you just not look at it? I mean, don't answer, but this is rhetorical. Would it be possible for you to like turn it off? I know some of your jobs won't allow that, but could you, tur- could you not look at it for an hour or two or three? I mean, we are addicted to, the, to, to constantly being notified or constantly being... Uh, uh, I, t- I turn my notifications off all the time because every time it blings... I'm like Pavlov's dog. i got to look at it. i got to see what it is. I can't ignore it, so I turn it off. We need to turn some stuff off. And part of how we do this recharging emotionally is we schedule time to just be quiet. And that scares the life out of some of us. But the Bible says he leaves me beside still waters, quiet waters. And that's where he restores our soul. And sometimes we just need to schedule some quiet. Have you ever noticed those campers coming back on Sunday after a weekend of camping? You would think a guy pulling a trailer, pulling a camper would be so chill, right? He's been sitting by the lake. I mean, he's been fishing. He's had his feet up. He's been eating s'mores. This ought to be the chillest guy on the planet. This ought to be Snoop Dogg driving that truck, right? Ought to be so chill. Yet, is that what you find? I mean, what? I, no, it's not, liar. Uh, what? What you see? I mean, they're they're so uptight. I like. I, I want to get in. They won't let me in. It's like you ought to be saying, "Come on in, bro. It's all good. The life's good." We. We work even at play. We just don't, we just don't enjoy. And I'm going to be honest with you, quieting and soul restoration are inseparable. You have to quiet yourself. I was sitting at a red light this week and I was thinking to myself, I wonder how many hours I've spent sitting at a red light. I mean, if I were to calculate it, it's hours and hours of my life sitting at a red light. You know when you don't sit at a red light? When you're in a hearse, they wave you right through, right? No red lights when you're dead. Uh, it's really kind of sad. By the way, red lights are uh, better than blue lights. Uh, you know, uh, uh, that's much better. Uh, but we wait and wait and we, we, we're frantic, and we, we try to do something while we're sitting at the red light. How many of you have had to beep at the person in front of you because they're looking at their phone because there was a red light and they stopped? It, it happens all the time. Because we just don't know how to slow down long enough and be quiet long enough. Could you get in your car and just not turn anything on? Could you drive home today from church with no anything? I mean, can you? Can you be quiet for 10 minutes, 15 minutes? Can you just sit and think and just be? It is a lost art. What did people do before the invention of the iPhone or the television or there was just nothing to do? Now, this afternoon, I'm going to go home, I'm going to eat lunch, I'm going to take a nap. I was going to watch basketball, but Kentucky got beat, so I don't have that. I don't have that to watch because Tennessee's thinking Tennessee. My buddy Jesse, don't be giving high fives, uh, <laughs> wore his Vols tie because he's, he's a punk. Uh, but um, I don't even have, so I can really rest today. I don't have anything to think about. Uh, are you going to take some time to, to quiet? And, and and the second thing is, schedule some time with your family. I, I like this text. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love. You should enjoy life, life with your wife and your kids and your grandkids. It, it, is, it is biblical to have Sunday lunch with your family. It's biblical. It's what we're supposed to do. And then there's kind of a A third way to do it, it, schedule some time for fellowship. That's why you come to church. The Bible says, let us not give up the habit of meeting together. I'm so thankful that you're here. I love coming to church. I love the music at church. I had a lady one time tell me, it was like Christian karaoke. Uh, You know, you come, you sing, the words are on the slide. Great. Uh, I love being together. I love chatting. And just honestly, for me, uh, Sundays are, are work. I have to think about you know what I'm going to say and I have to try to not mess up and I try to remember names and I try to, you know, if, if you've asked me a question before, I'm trying to think if I've gotten an answer for that, that sort of thing. So I have, to, I have to work a little bit, but the older I get, I have learned that this is also a time to just enjoy each other. Uh, it's part of what church is. It's a chance to enjoy each other. Um, the early church, they would... They would break bread together. They would go out to eat or they would have people into their homes and, and they would eat. And by the way, I know, I hear some of you all talking about this. Hey, let's go out to, to lunch. And I love that. I love that you all are doing that. But when you go out to lunch, please tip well. Man, Christians have such a bad reputation on Sundays are being cheap. And, and, and unkind. You be really nice and you tip well, or you tell them you're an atheist. Uh, you know, I mean, you got to do, gotta do don't, don't hurt the team, right? Don't hurt the team. So do the right stuff out there. The Bible tells us that as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And we come together and we help each other. And that's part of what Sabbathing looks like. We get together. And then there's a third thing, and we're going to end with this. We refocus our spirits. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. We come together so that we can focus or maybe refocus on God. Your car more than likely has four tires, four wheels on your car. They go round and round, by the way. And they are aligned to go straight for the most part. There's supposed to be a line to go straight. All four wheels pointing the same direction. That's the best way. Now, you hit a pothole, you hit a bump, or something, something might happen to it, and it might get out of a line. And so one of the tires might you know, bend in or it might point out, and so you have you know your tires have to be like this. They can't be in or out, and they can't be this way. And so every once in a while, mechanics will tell you that you need to have a realignment to make sure all your tires are going the same direction. I think most mechanics will tell you about a year, six months to a year, you get it realigned. Well, our spirits and our bodies need to be realigned, God says, every week. We need it every week. Our souls to be recharged. We need to think about our relationship with God. See, Jesus put it this way. He said, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? And what can man give in exchange for his soul? Life is more about money, making money. There's a lot of reasons we give for working too much. Well, I've got to have more. I've got to do more. I want to be more. But when this says, what can man give in exchange for his soul? That's a great question to ask. What have I given these last seven days, too. And once a week, I ask the question, what have I given the last 168 hours for? What have I really accomplished this last week? And the final question we're going to ask today is, are you willing to trust God enough to rest? Do you believe He's really in control and that it can go along even if you're not involved? I have the answer. It will go along even if you're not involved. It can and it will. God says, I want to have a relationship with you all the time. But once a week, let's get together. Let's hang out. Let's be together as a family. Let's enjoy each other. I love church, I grew up in church. My mom and dad would bring me all the time. I've always loved it. I love it because I've got friends here. I love it because I feel connected to God here in a way I don't always feel. And, and the Lord says, hey, remember the Sabbath because it's really important for your physical well-being and for your soul's well-being. Father, we... Thank you for this commandment. We know you gave it to us because you love us and you want what's best for us. And I'm thankful that we got to be together today to look at it. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.